Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Middle Church. I am so glad you can be with us today as we celebrate the third Sunday in Advent, which is a Sunday of joy. It can feel with all that's going on around us, including the loss of our beloved sanctuary, that joy is hard to summon right in here. But I just want to say to you, just knowing that we're connected in this digital space makes my heart beat fast, makes me feel joyful. And joy is resistance, honey. So I would invite you to try to take a deep breath with me. Exhale what's black in our joy. Inhale the sense of community and connection and let us worship our God. We expectantly light the candle of hope. <laughs> See that? Yeah, that's hope. We continue this journey of waiting and anticipation as we light the candles of hope and peace. This is the third week of Advent. This week we light the candle of joy. And the angel said, do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. And we lift up our voices. And, and be joyful! Joy, friends, cannot be easily disrupted, even in the midst of sadness. We know that as long as we have each other, we have reason to find joy. Amen. Amen.
and friends, come a little closer. Let's talk about the church. Many of you know that Saturday morning, our church building was hurt in a fire. We're so glad that everyone is safe and that the firefighters stopped the fire. But our sanctuary burnt down. And our sanctuary is a place where we battled our Beyblades on the floor, or we colored in our Just for Kids binders, or we listened to Miss Jackie preach and the gospel choir sing and the band play. Many of you this week shared with me that you feel really, really sad about that. And I was just wondering, can you raise your hand if you're still feeling really sad about that? A lot of us, huh? Me too. And friends, when we're feeling sad about something, it's really important that we talk to somebody about it. Your grown-ups are always there to listen to you because they care and they love you and they want to help you through these really big feelings. And I want you to know that you can also always talk to God out loud, in your mind, or praying in your heart because God cares about everything that we're going through and loves us so very much. So God is always willing to listen to us. And maybe if it feels like it's too hard to talk about right now, you could do something different. Maybe you can draw pictures of the sanctuary and the fun places that you played inside of it. Or you can draw a Just for Kids binder and make one in your own home like many of you used to do every Sunday. And maybe you can do what I do. And you can go on YouTube and play old worship videos just to remember how beautiful our sanctuary is. Friends, physical buildings tell us stories, don't they? About the people that we love and the fun things that we've done and where we've been. And it's so sad when we lose them. And it's also true and sad that we really don't know when we're going to get to go back into a physical building together. But you know, I have a lot of hope. And I know that we will. Because all of you have inspired me and encouraged me this week and said, Miss Elise, Miss Elise. Our church building is gone, but the church is still here. We haven't changed. And you're so right. Our church community hasn't changed. And God's love for you hasn't changed. And our love for you hasn't changed. And I want you to know that whether we have a building standing or not, we are in this together. And as long as we work together and you help us, we will rebuild our church. Amen? Okay, friends, let's pray to God together and then we'll go sing Siyahumba. Dear God, thank you for your love that never changes and help us work together to rebuild our church. Amen? Amen. We are
Good morning again, everybody. Elise, thank you so much for that beautiful message for our little people. And it was wonderful to sing my favorite hymn, Lo, How a Rose, Air Blooming. And thank you all to all of our families who lit the Advent candle. We really appreciate just seeing your families in this space. Middle is rising, friends. Even in the middle of this crazy, crazy pandemic, middle is rising. Even in the wake of this fire that torched our building, I can't tell you how many people around this country have sent love notes, members that we have in California and Washington, DC, people who follow us in social media in North Carolina and in Newark, and also from all over the globe. John Diet from Bendigo, he wrote us a love note. Um, we've getting, getting gifts from our friends in New Zealand and from Australia. I just wanna tell you that uh, as I've been grieving this last week, I've also been so deeply moved by the way not only the country claims us as their progressive cathedral, if you will, but by the way the globe claims us. And this gives me hope. I wanna give you just a couple of quick updates because you're all here right now. Um, our sanctuary has been cleaned out pretty much. Some of the back wall, the east wall that had the dove had to come down to stabilize the building and that's down. It's difficult to watch um, I'm going to say the insides of our congregation be dug out. It feels like a, like a womb being dug out. The shell being there, the shell being there, gives me hope that we are going to give birth to something new. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Um, insurance is a, is a tricky thing. We have good insurance, but it won't be good enough to rebuild all that we need in this, in this city. But you're going to help us. From all over the globe, you're going to help us. And out of the ashes, something powerful, new, imaginative, and loving is going to rise because we're gonna do that. And we're gonna do that together. I'd like to uh, just invite you to come to the Chat and Chew and talk with Amanda this afternoon. They're gonna celebrate Sarah Kane, whose last day is today at 1.30. And we're gonna keep on taking care of folks, keep on feeding folks, keep on making deacon grants. We're gonna keep on helping people pay their rent and their utilities and their mortgages so they can stay in their houses. We're gonna keep on caring for those who've lost loved ones, who've lost loved ones in this time of COVID. Those lost souls won't come back, but our physical plant, it will actually be resurrected. So I thank God for that. And that gives me joy. I wanna invite you to take, a, take another breath with me And say a prayer with me. If you are open to an eyes open prayer, or whatever makes you feel comfortable in this space and time. <clears throat> Holy friend, how we thank you that you are just a breath away, that our breathing is a sacrament. We inhale your presence, always hovering close by, surrounding us, enveloping us inspiring us, making us enthusiastic about small things like lit candles, the laughter of our children, chocolate cake, cookies, walks on a day that's not so cold. We feel you in the hugs of the people we love. We feel you in the tears we weep, 
as we grieve. We feel you in, in encouraging notes and messages. We feel you in the way people stand up with us and for us. We feel you in this love and justice movement that is across the nation and that includes our Sikh allies and our Muslim ones, our Jewish ones celebrating, celebrating Hanukkah, our Muslim ones, our Buddhist friends, our Baha'i friends, our friends who don't claim religion at all. We feel you also in camaraderie and community with everyone who wants to make love happen everywhere. And we ask God that you would guide us as we come to the end of a year, that you'll help us focus our energies on healing, on waymaking, that we'll continue to feel fueled to be partners with you in Tikkun Olam, the healing of the world. And we ask in all the spaces where we need to be met by you, holy friend, in our personal lives, in our work lives, in our relationships with our partners and our children, in our relationships with our neighbors, that you'll show up there and help us to find the small things to engage our creative imagination, our inner child, the ways that we'll be reminded like toddlers, like little kids, that there is joy in the midst of suffering. Help us, Holy One to be our best selves. Forgive us when we lose sight that we belong to you and make us more whole and more holy every day. Make us yours. In your many names we pray, amen. I wanna invite you now to join me in saying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. You say it in the language you know it, say it the way you know it, and let us pray together. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Turn to the ones you're worshiping with and wish them peace. And peace be with you all. Amen. church burned to the ground yesterday in a fire in the East Village of New York City. This is not just a church building, it's a sanctuary. I'd searched my whole life for a community that lived love and poured itself out for the healing of the world and radical diversity, inclusivity, and prophetic imagination. Middle Church is that place 
and my pastor and friend, Reverend Jackie Lewis, is that leader. Mary and Joseph took their little Jewish baby to Egypt and were welcomed there. That's a poor, brown, homeless refugee baby. This is a church where all religious backgrounds, all beliefs and no beliefs, and all orientations are not just welcome, but treasured as holy, because every living creature is. In a year where so many are isolated, alone, and in deep grief, it feels cruel that a community that lives interconnected, alchemical, anti-racist, equity, inclusion, beauty, and joy would have its home stolen. The only thing that makes sense is to extend the love this place breathes, lives, and generates back out into the world as a protest, as a resistance to despair, as an antidote to collapse. All that matters that you love, period. Love, period. So if you feel love. you cannot bear period. one more ounce of loss, love. may you be comforted. If you feel you cannot handle one more moment of anxious waiting. May you find community, the enduring strength of warm memory, the tenderness of nature. So from my heart and Middle's heart to everyone's, be well. This loss reminding us, it's not circumstances that dictate that wellness, but a love that comes from within, so without from above so below and this love is still very very alive this is the best job i've ever had ever i will never leave it <laughs> they're gonna have to drag me out when, I, when i'm old and i don't have any teeth <laughs> This is a little story about Mary.
band is vamping a little bit. There's a lot of questions for Mary. A lot of questions. We're wondering if she knew, right? Did she, she was only 14. How much do you know at 14, right? So here's the questions that we had. Sopranos. Mary, did you know that you made me born? family. Thank you for being here with us today. My name is Gabriella and I am one of the church's seminary interns this year and it is my honor and privilege to be offering you the scripture reading today. Today's scripture is the Magnificat which is also known as Mary's Song of Praise from the Gospel of Luke. It is sung by Mary during her visitation with her cousin Elizabeth who praises Mary for her faithfulness to which Mary responds in song. Because the scripture passage is a song, I figured that I would sing to you a version that I made of it some years ago. I hope that these words of Mary put into song nourish you today. The scripture known as the Magnificat goes as follows. My soul, magnifies the Lord. 
and rejoices in God my Savior. For she has looked with favor on the lowliness of her servant. And surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. from generation to generation. And she has shown strength with her arm and scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. She has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. She has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. She has helped her servant Israel in remembrance of her mercy according to the promise she made to our ancestors to Abraham and Sarah and their descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Gabriella. My job at Metro Baptist, the church that brought me to New York and ordained me, was ending. What should I do next? I said to my friend Lynn Pentecost, middle elder and Lower East Side Girls Club founder, nine years ago. Oh, you should come work at my church, middle. We're a progressive, artsy congregation. Plus, the Girls Club began in middle's basement. Middle church? Hmm. Okay, I thought, and I tucked it away. We were playing poker and having a proper New York City brunch in a high-rise building overlooking Union Square. Through the cigar smoke, I met someone named Gabby DeVoe, who years later would become Jackie's daughter-in-law. We were fast friends, and when she left, she mentioned heading to Middle Church for Art and Soul, a Sunday night gathering. Middle church. I tucked it away somewhere. Six years ago, I was hosting a fundraiser for Parity, an organization that helps LGBTQ people reconcile sexual orientation with their faith. One of the honorees was Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. Jackie, I heard that night, was the senior pastor of Middle Church. Middle Church. I tucked it away. We were in the throngs of toddler parenting, two three-year-olds and a one-year-old. 
We made it to the F train platform just in time to realize we would totally miss our home church worship service in Hell's Kitchen. Defeated, I said to my husband, Graham, let's just get off on Second Avenue. I keep hearing about this middle church place and I don't know what time they worship, but if we miss it, we can just go to the park. We walked up Second Avenue and came upon the large stone facade of middle. Have we missed worship? I asked the security guard out front. Missed it? You're 10 minutes early. It was that day three years ago last Sunday that we walked into Middle Church for the first time. The queer icons surrounding the sanctuary, the bold preaching by Jackie, the divine singing, the soulful band, the warm welcome of Diane, Kelly, Lila, Marta, and love. It all captivated us. It all felt like stepping into a song that had been playing our whole lives. In my senior year at college, I was asked to be one of the three preachers at closing convocation. As I walked up to the pulpit to begin preaching, ready to set my text on the lectern, two men came out of nowhere and physically removed the pulpit. Evidently, there were only two preachers that day. They were male, and I was just a speaker. Or in December 2020 speak, two men without degrees said I was fraudulent and comic to use my authority and asked me to be removed. Well, that's Reverend Amanda Hambrick Ashcraft to you now, gentlemen, and you can keep the title. I was interviewing for a church in Brooklyn. It came down to me and another candidate. The senior pastor, a white man, let it slip that he didn't think I could do the job with three small kids. Fast forward to June 2018. I'm literally wearing a small child and pushing two others in a double stroller, my stole sweating off my shoulders on the mall in DC. We were there for a gathering of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. Amanda? Jackie yelled to me from across the mall. She recognized me because we'd made our way to those pews back in December. What are you doing? Come march with us. That's the moment Jackie cites as knowing that I was the right person for the job at Middle my white Kentucky-born self with three small children. You come and sing that song that's inside of you, Amanda, here. The song that's been being composed your whole life, tickling in your ear, just waiting to be strung together. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a song too found in Luke chapter one, literally just sung to us beautifully by Gabriella. Mary had a song too. Now in order to understand the significance of her song, we need to take a step back and understand the cultural and personal context into which she sang. Mary, a poor Jewish child from a community under the rule of oppressive Roman Empire had just been told she would carry the Son of God. She suddenly finds herself completely marginalized, vulnerable, and scared. 
with more questions than answers. Plus, if we're being really honest, she had some real first trimester issues. She was tired. She was nauseous. But she wasn't visibly pregnant, so it was awkward that she was tired and nauseous, but she was tired and nauseous all the time. She got word that her fiance was calling off the wedding because her now pregnant self is a disgrace to society. And she was going to be stoned to death. Her future was largely unknown and very grim. Not knowing what else to do, with haste, she ran to the hillside to be with her cousin Elizabeth. Upon arrival, Elizabeth blesses her. And it is then, in community, that Mary burst into song, the text before us. Now, when we understand the cultural and personal context of Mary's song, in the words of Reverend Carolyn Sharp, Mary is no longer the radiant woman peacefully composing the Magnificat. Instead, she is a girl who sings defiantly to her God through her tears, fists clenched against an unknown future. When understood this way, Sharp goes on to say, Mary's song becomes a radical resource for those seeking to honor the holy amid the suffering of real life. Like your church building, literally burning to the ground during the second week of Advent. In a year already marked by disease, death, racial and economic turmoil, and morally corrupt rulers. In perhaps never a more poignant time in all our living, we are standing, fists clenched against an unknown future. Can we sing defiantly to God through our tears? Can we sing through our questions? How long until I can see my grandkids again? How can I pay my staff now that indoor dining closes again tomorrow? When can I perform on a stage again? Can I do the work my soul calls me to do in the face of misogyny and sexism? Can I do the work my soul calls me to do in the face of racism, transphobia, classism? Mary's song is a song of hope and revolution that comes to us in community. It flips the ruling class on its head and tells of a future ripe with equality and justice. It's so revolutionary that in the last century, it's been banned in three countries that we know of. It's so subversive, the ruling class fears that the oppressed might start doing some things. The lowly might see themselves as powerful. The unsuspecting might come to understand that they are divine. Let's don't include that song. That's too powerful. Let's don't let Amanda have a pulpit. What overturning of the patriarchy might occur? Women with small children can't have jobs outside the home. What reversal of gender and family norms might occur? We can't be a church if we preach Black Lives Matter, defund the police, and trans lives are holy, what revolution might occur? 
I don't know what tomorrow will hold. I don't know when we will gather under a roof again. I don't know if the facade is going to stay or when the rebuilding will begin. I don't know when the vaccine will be available to everyone or how many more people will die. But here's what I do know. There was once a young Jewish girl who also didn't know a hell of a lot. And in the time in her life when she knew the least and feared the most, she sang a song of revolution, of liberation, of reversal, of hope, a song bursting with moral courage. Had Mary been filled with reason, the type the world likes to give, there would have been no room for the baby, Madeline Engel once said. Mary sang a song of a world where there's enough for all, where God brings down the powerful from their thrones and lifts up the lowly, filling the hungry with good things and sending the rich away empty. She sang a song where possibility flourishes and where every person, despite how society views them, is redeemable and lovable. In Mary's song, Brandon Bernard is still alive, not executed by the state. What would Brandon's song be had we collectively blessed him and seen him as God sees him, the way Mary taught us to sing? I know it's been a difficult week, month, year, maybe for you, years. But here's the thing, because Mary sang, we too can sing. In the face of debris, come crumbling brick, sanctuary stones. In the face of racism, sexism, skepticism, inequality, we too can sing. Everyone has those one or two people in their lineage that when you think of deep faith, come to mind. For me, that's my 98 and a half year old great aunt Mary, conveniently named, who lived herself through a tragic burning of her childhood home. Yesterday, I found out there's a COVID outbreak in her nursing home wing in Kentucky. I'm just calling to see how you are, Mary, I said yesterday on the phone. Oh, thank you, thank you, she said. You know there's a vaccine coming. Bursting with hope in the face of the unknown. There are Marys all around us because we all have the promise of God within us. We all have a song inside of us, a song that looks a lot like love, Mary's song is a love song. May the courage of the one who saw the world as it could be inspire us and carry us today as we find not only our individual songs, but our collective song of liberation too. Amen. Amen. Thank you to the Right Reverend Amanda. 
I'm so grateful. What a time, middle family. Like most of you, I've spent the last week grieving and celebrating all that the sanctuary meant to me. And even though I spent last Saturday morning shivering under scaffolding across the street from the church, I still am having a hard time believing it. I've also spent the last week following so many of your memories and your testimonies that you're posting. And so here's a little bit of mine. I came to Middle when I was 24 years old after having lived in New York City for a couple years and was disappointed with the couple of churches I visited. I ran into my friends, Heidi and Edna, on the street on 6th Street, and they were beaming with joy after having come from their church, Middle Collegiate. I went the next week and was stunned by the beauty of this place, by the warmth of the architecture, its history, its present, and the warmth of the people inside. I had a hard time believing it. I kept coming back, but tentatively, waiting for the minute that somebody in this affirming space would slip up and clarify that this church was not in fact for everyone, but only for Christians, only for straight people, only for rich people, but that never happened. After a short time, I joined the choir and learned about the power of gospel music from Tina and Tina and Arlene and Mady and Joy and Jennifer and all my other old school altos. And I felt like I was part of something so freeing. I could not believe I could be so lucky to join this community of artists. I joined the board 10 years ago as a deacon and then an elder and found even more joy in that community of middle members committed to building middle's future. Meetings that would last for hours, sometimes four hours, while we talked through our viewpoints and understanding that this is what it means to be part of a diverse community. Hard to believe. I got married at middle six years ago. The choir sang me down the aisle to Lenny Kravitz. They also sang with Toshi Regan. They sang the Islamic folk song, Mast Kalandar, and Stevie Wonder. Sorry, John and Dion, that was a lot of work. <laughs> we were married by our own Jackie Lewis and Reverend Billy and my uncle Radha who performed a Hindu ceremony all within the walls of a Dutch reformed church. I wonder if the folks that built middle in the 1800s could have ever believed something like this would be possible. I baptized my children when they were one and 11 on the pulpit of middle, and I was so proud to have them be officially embraced by this community and affirm what we already knew, that these people in these pews were gonna help us raise them with a multitude of life experiences. My Hindu mother posted so proudly pictures of her grandchildren in this community, knowing that this was the faith she too shared. Can you believe it? I don't know when it happened exactly, but somewhere along the way of these last 16 years, among choir rehearsals, memorials, weddings, Martin Luther King services, revolutionary love conferences, I began believing. I found a new faith, a new community, and a new God that matched the one that I had been praying to. This God was no longer mine alone. This God was so big, so fun, so funny, so generous. And this God loved me. This God was all of you. And I am so grateful that this God was so patient with me, sitting next to me in the pews, waiting for me to understand. 
that this heaven was already here. I love Middle Church. And I love all of you. I feel so fortunate that we had this space and time together. And I now believe that we will rebuild together, that we will build something for the generations to come who will no doubt need space to hold them, a community to join. We will build strong in what we have already built together, but unable to even perceive what this place will mean to the people that come after us. If ever there was a moment to be middle in the world, this is it. If you haven't yet, no matter where you are in the world, you can join this movement at middlechurch.org. We've got lots of love to do. We need all the hands and hearts to do it. Along with our ministry, now we must turn to replacing what we've lost, rebuilding our space and rising out of the ashes. As we come to the end of this year, make a tax deductible donation at middlechurch.org backslash rising. To all of you who are looking for a place to belong, we will build it with you. Believe it.
Let us pray. From all that dwells below the skies, let faith and hope with love arise. On this day, God, we give you thanks for the song in Amanda's heart, for the song sung joy, for the choir, for the way you are using your people on the margins everywhere to rise up and make a movement for love and justice. We give you special thanks, God, for all who power this movement with their time, with their talent, with their treasure. I give you special thanks, God, for my team who under adverse conditions just keep rising up, rising up and shining with love and hope and peace. May we, each of us, from the smallest of us to the oldest, keep being filled with you, God, a song from you that we can heal our souls and heal the world. Amen.
Wow, it's so wonderful and so hard to see the Middle Church Choir and the band in that beautiful space. Dion, we're going to find you that new chair. My life flows on in endless song, above earth's lamentation. I hear the sweet though far off hymn that hails a new creation. Through all the tumult and the strife, I hear that music ringing. It finds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? How can we keep from singing? Keep your fist clenched, middle family. Clench your fist, Skylar. We've had a hard week. Keep your tears flowing in the face of an unknown. Let's go and sing Mary's song, our song, love's song inside all of us right now. Amen.